Thank you all for being part of the Becker's Health IT Plus RCM virtual event. I'm Laura Deirda, an editor at Becker's Healthcare, and today I'm privileged to have an expert panel joining me to discuss health IT trends to keep an eye on in the future. Joining me on the panel today is Gregory Bryant, Vice President and Chief Information Officer at Governor Juan F. Luis Hospital and Medical Center. Dr. Jason Buchanan, Clinical Informatics Officer at Baylor College of Medicine, Harris Health System, and Laura Morse, Vice President of Professional Fee Revenue Cycle at Health First Medical Group and Privia Medical Group. I'm really excited to have these fantastic panelists here today, but before we dive into our discussion, I wanted to let the panelists briefly introduce themselves and their um, organizations. So Laura, can we start with you? Could you tell us a little bit about your background and your organization? Certainly. So I work for um, kind of a combined uh, reporting here with Health First Medical Group and the Privia Medical Group. Um, very excited to lead the professional revenue cycle operations here. I've got background with Medicare, um, have been a, an, an auditor for Medicare and some internal audit background. And then um, after a stint in Maine, um, working with uh, a group there as an internal auditor, I went to revenue cycle and that's where I've sat for the remainder of my career so far. Fantastic. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on the panel, Laura. Um, Greg, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself as well? Uh, yeah, Greg Bryant, CIO at uh, Wanafui Hospital. Um, we're a full acute care facility and located in the uh, beautiful Virgin Islands, uh, U.S. Virgin Islands, that is. Um, I started out working at development in a um, health art EMR vendor and worked my way up there and became a consultant while working with hospitals and 10 years later, now I'm a CIO facility. So it's kind of a, a, a winding road, but you know, it's a fun one. What an amazing journey. And thank you so much, Greg. Um, and Dr. Buchanan, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself as well? Sure, my name is Jason Buchanan. I'm based out of Houston, Texas. I'm a doctor by training, board certified in both uh, clinical informatics and family medicine. I've worked with Bella College of Medicine Harris Health for about 15 years now. And uh, we take care of the underserved population here in Houston. Uh, we were the third largest safety net um, center in the United States. And I do mostly with EH optimization, telemedicine, telehealth, um, clinical workforce and ops. And I have a special interest in data and data analytics. Fantastic. Well, Jason, thank you so much again for being here. Now, let's dive right into the discussion. I know we have a lot to cover today. Um, Greg, I want to start with you. What are the issues that are taking up most of your time today? Um, because of where we are located, it's, it's trying to reach out to the community. Um, even though we're on an island, it's only a population of about 50,000. So it's reaching out to um, the the older population and making sure they have the best health care possible for them. So for me, it's kind of being outside the four walls and reaching the community. Got it. Absolutely. And so when you look at that challenge, I'm sure there's a lot of different things that you have to do in order to stay connected with your community. Um, what initiatives are you working on right now um, to, to help become more connected? So the biggest thing actually for us is um, telehealth, uh, an entire telehealth program. Um, where we can, since we're the only hospital on the island, we're the only ER that causes our wait times to be expanded. So by having a minor medical telehealth program, um, people can, community members can reach out to us that way instead of appointments for 
the simple things that cause colds and flu. But obviously, if there's something more serious, please come to the ER. You always dial 911 or go to the ER. But for the minor things, instead of, you know, going to a facility like an ER and waiting seven, eight, nine hours, if we can handle it online, it increases our patient satisfaction, increases our HCAP score, increases our Medicare score. So um, that's the biggest thing we're working on this year. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and Jason, from your perspective at Harris Health System, what are some of the big things that are occupying your time? Well, I think this for everyone, COVID is the biggest thing uh, here on the horizon for us. I think for us, given that we're a safety net center, we always are trying to do the most we can for our patients uh, with some limited resources. Um, in particular, um, many of our patients um, have uh, low or no access um, to uh, computers, even cell phones, um, some of them don't have. So trying to reach out to those, that population is particularly important. Um, also, we, we serve a large um, non-English speaking population as well. And so making sure that they are, we're able to reach out and contact those patients during the pandemic is also of uh, utmost concern. Um, so I guess uh, in, in short, mainly about population health and trying to reach out to those that are in need. Absolutely. And I know that's a huge undertaking, um, both from a large strategic standpoint, but also from the technology standpoint. When you look at the, um, you know, getting everybody the technology and tools that they need in order to connect with the healthcare providers, how are you able to um, coordinate all of that and, and really make sure um, that the technology is working? Are there community partners that you have or, you know, how do you navigate some of the challenges that aren't necessarily occurring inside the walls of the hospital? But the main thing that we do is listen. Uh, we listen to our patients, listen to our providers as well, and they'll give us the, the majority of the information that we need. Um, for example, when we used our telehealth platform, it was just in English. Uh, we have a large Spanish-speaking and also Vietnamese-speaking population. So we're able to get translators to actually come in on the calls uh, with us um, to help to facilitate the, 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 uh, the conversation between our patients and our providers. Got it. That's really helpful, I'm sure, for the patients. So hearing about a lot of challenges, connecting with patients and making sure they have access to care. Laura, from your perspective, especially, you know, as a revenue cycle leader as well, what are you consuming most of your time today at Health First Medical Group and Privia Medical Group? So we talk about COVID and of course that disrupted all of us. But if we look now, we're going into a new year. Payer issues are top of mind. So we're constantly dealing with payer issues with authorizations and denials um, and that the integration with payers. Um, we are fortunate with Health First that we're part of an integrated delivery network. We have a, a insurance arm. There's the hospital, the acute um, home health hospice and our provider group. And so we're able to capitalize on the sharing of that information. But that has helped somewhat. The other piece of that, and I think it was alluded to by Greg, was the customer engagement. And we're looking at customers as opposed to patient and trying to bridge that gap. So from a clinical perspective, they are our patients. But from a revenue cycle perspective, we're looking at, that, at them as customers. And how do we ensure that we're providing the best service? We're explaining things in a way that's, that's transparent. And of course, with the No Surprises Act, we're forced to go down that path. Um, by regulatory requirements, but we want to exceed that and we have been exceeding that to make sure we're helping people understand the, the cost of their care, finding ways to bridge the gap for, for them to afford it, whatever their capabilities are, 
um, but then also finding um, other resources and, and tools that may be available. Um, and sometimes from outside, outside vendors that may help us to bridge that gap and use technology to make it easier. So those are the, the biggest things for us that are creating some of the noise within our, our system. Absolutely. I can imagine, again, that's another big undertaking. And, you know, when you look at being able to communicate with the patients, um, you know, I can imagine there are a lot of different factors that go into that. How do you account for different needs by different patients, whether it's, um, you know, age differences, um, different preferences, um, different socioeconomic backgrounds. How do you account for all of that when you're developing these types of programs to really um, drive the consumer engagement? So I'll start there. Um, you really have to know your customer. You have to understand that first, we don't want to say that just because somebody is of a certain age, they're going to be the ones that best use that. I mean, I have, have experience with a grandmother who, when she was taken to the hospital, she wanted to make sure, do not leave my phone behind. I, she was 95 years old, I need my phone. So there are people that are going to be engaged with the, the technology and we use self-intake tools to help so that, especially with COVID, people are not being exposed to illness if they don't want to. Um, and so it, it's helpful to be able to do that, but understanding the engagement and knowing we still have to have solutions for your face-to-face, -face, for customer engagement, for customer service. So offering multiple sources of tools, multiple ways of communicating so that we can reach all of our customers. That makes a lot of sense. Now, Jason, when you look ahead over the next 12, 12 to 24 months or so, how do you see your role in teams changing, especially as this environment changes, COVID continues to evolve and, and healthcare delivery follows? What do you see as being some of the biggest ways that you will have to change as a CIO and then your teams will continue to evolve? Well, I think uh, it's already started. We have a lot of smaller, more nimble teams compared to pre-COVID. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of cross coverage as well. People do, doing things that they may not necessarily have started out doing. Uh, I definitely am gonna see more tech um, involved um, because uh, with a great resignation, you're gonna have less staff and have to figure out innovative ways of taking care of the patients. Uh, I see a lot also with automation. Uh, I think that's gonna be a necessary thing to have given um, the staffing crunch uh, worldwide. And I also think that remote monitoring will come into play as well. Got it, absolutely. Um, when you look at the automation piece of it in particular, how do you, what types of technologies are really attractive to you and how do you work with your, the other members of the senior executive team to make sure that you know, you're um, investing in the right technologies and the right capabilities um, to make your team, I guess, lean and mean, but also able to serve the patients that you need going forward? Right, and it's, it's all about listening as well, listening to the patients <laughs> and the providers. So it all comes down to that because uh, as Laura mentioned, those are our main stakeholders, they're our customers and the customer will dictate what we do. Um, in terms of um, the other aspects, I think that Laura mentioned about RCM. Uh, automation is a, is a prime place for RCM for to decrease our fraud and speed up our, our revenue as well. And uh, in terms of patient care, um, remote monitoring, the diabetic patients, hypertensive patients, if you have a controlled diabetic patient, you really don't have to bring them in to the office physically uh, to ensure that their care is, is the way it should be. So I think those are the two really big areas I see uh, automation-wise, RCM and uh, chronic disease management. 
Thank you so much for going through that with us. Now, Greg, are you seeing similar things from your end um, as CIO? You know, are, are you seeing your teams change a little bit more um, since the pandemic began or how do you see them evolving in the next year or two? Yeah, kind of like what they should say, our um, team, not just our IT team, but even teams in, you know, financial departments have contracted some because of the great resignation. Um, we're having to pivot more towards a technology-based approach and things. So um, we're actually, we're at our facility, we're actually about to build a new facility. And one of the biggest things I'm looking at is um, IoT and making a smart hospital to decrease the amount of people needed to create that patient experience and engagement, but also to increase the amount of data we can get um, to help us from a marketing standpoint and from a clinical standpoint. That's so interesting. And, you know, when you look at the possibilities of a smart hospital, um, what types of skills will you need on your team that will be different from what you have today? Um, or, you know, is it pretty similar just uh, kind of working with different types of technologies? Um, a little column A, a little column B. Um, you will <laughs> we'll have to bring in some people that have worked with smart technology for sure, but also um, training what we have here, cross-training on data analytics and big data conversions and working with cloud providers that we'll have in the future. Got it. That's really fascinating to hear and um, sounds like it would be a unique and neat opportunity uh, moving forward. Um, now, yeah, I'll let you know in about five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then all goes. We'll, we'll catch back up with you. Absolutely. Um, well, Laura, I know we've talked a little bit about um, technologies and automation in the RCM space. Um, where are you seeing your role and teams headed? What you know are you are you really um, focused on, especially coming into the next year or two? So both internal and external focus. So everyone has talked about the staffing pressures, and that is top of mind. It's it's a very challenging staffing environment. And so we've been very um, blessed to have a partnership with Privia, who has services, independent practitioners across the country, but then also our local teams. Both teams have embraced technology and rapid process automation tools. So we have been able to say, okay, wait, we need people to push a button, or we have holds or edits that take a lot of our time. Someone might typically say, well, let's hire two people to do that task. And we say, wait, we can automate. We can do this more efficiently and effective if we use some, some tools like rapid process automation um, to facilitate that. So it's finding um, those problems that consume a lot of people's time. Um, and in the end, we actually improve the quality of the work for our associates. And we're using them and using their expertise where it's most valued, turning that back out to our customers. And so then we start saying, okay, well, what technology do we, do we use? So we use those self-intake tools, clinical intake tools, things to accelerate appointments for our customers so that their access to care is not impeded at all. Um, looking to consolidate our, our statements so that we're an integrated delivery network. We have multiple platforms. How can we make them talk to each other so people from the outside of our organization don't feel that friction? So it's using those tools that are available to help us be, no, be more nimble, be more customer friendly, but also um, elevate the engagement for our associates. 
That's really interesting to hear and sounds like, you know, just a, a wonderful outlook for the next year or two. Um, are there any other partnerships that you see as being really vital, either existing partnerships that are being elevated or new potential partnerships over the next few years that could be so helpful in realizing these goals? We are fortunate that we have a, a, an insurance arm within our integrated delivery network. One thing that it would be wonderful to see is more integration across payers. Um, we have a vendor that really is looking at trying to bring some of that integration um, to market. We, we still are looking to see the, the full effects of that, but I think in the future, we really are hoping that we'll see payers come to the table and start working with us. We've broken down silos within our organization so that we're all working together. Um, Dr. Buchanan had mentioned, you know, listening to people. Our IT teams partner with our operators and with the revenue cycle teams to ask, what do we need? I'm hoping that eventually payers will come to us and say, what can we help you with? How can we help you? It need, we need to have that partnership improved. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And I can imagine, you know, if, if things were a little bit more streamlined there, it would be so helpful for providers. Um, a huge, huge wish. But, um, you know, when you're looking at the technology investment, Laura, what digital technologies are you seeing that have been worth the investment um, or any anticipated, um, you know, investments this year that, you know, you really feel like are um, make a lot of sense, especially when I know budgets are tight across the board um, because of the past couple of years? Yeah, COVID really prompted the, the speed to which we brought some of these in, but self-intake tools um, are invaluable for us. We, we looked at it and thought, well, maybe this is just something for COVID, but our um, patients and customers have embraced the technology. Um, we've seen um, improved time of service collections and the ability to communicate with our customers and keep them safe. We're expanding the use of the tool to be able to offer clinical intake so that our um, non-clinical professionals in the in the practice, but then even our medical assistants who are servicing the providers, we can get them to a provider faster. Or for some reason, someone has to cancel. You know, someone's getting sick. They they've caught COVID. They can't come into the into the uh, for their appointment. They need to reschedule. We have ways that we can accelerate their assignment of an appointment to help take that off the pressure off of our our front desk staff especially where even our own staff are suffering from the effects of, of the disease. So we're looking at that, looking at vendors to help with bill consolidation. But then the other piece of it is looking at, because we have best of breed systems and we have so many different systems um, and the, C the CIO counterparts we have here will, will probably understand full well all of the different logins and passwords that everybody has to remember, working with partners that can help integrate that you may have all of these best of breeds, but using a partner to help make it the look and feel and one access point. And so we're really trying to, to push and, and kind of push the lever to say, let's use this technology to make it simple. Absolutely. So whatever you can do to simplify the workflows, automate things, make sure it's easy for patients to access, um, you know, the healthcare providers digitally. It sounds like just, you know, have been paying dividends for you. <laughs> Um, Greg, from your perspective, what are you most excited about in terms of technologies and different things that have been incorporated either in the recent past or you plan on um, investing in this year? Um, so back on, I'll say about IoT, we're looking at a lot of BYOD technology for staff um, to, and mainly providers um, to integrate with their care of patients. That way, you know, the one tablet they use at home, they can use all you on site to be, and be able to securely and safely chart 
And that goes to my other point, um, security. Um, we're always looking at security. We're always looking at the next step, the next evolution. It's, and I think going forward every year, we're going to be making some sort of change and some sort of advancement on security. So those two things are kind of top of mind for me in the short term. That makes a lot of sense. And when you look at the security aspect, it, I know that's so important for hospitals and pretty much any organization or company or business um, right now. Um, for the security aspect, is that something that you primarily have to stay on top of or do you have other team members that are really um, ingrained in the cybersecurity space that are helping you make sure you stay ahead of things? I have a couple team members that, that, that are pretty good about it. I keep my eye to it as the, you know, from an administrative standpoint and an overseeing standpoint. Um, but I do have a couple of team members that are pretty keen on the cybersecurity front and, you know, are, you know, will bring technology and bring advancements to me. And then we all sit down together and take a look at them to see what's the, um, what's the latest trend and what's the best strategic move for the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. I know it can be a challenge trying to, you know, having to put resources towards that security aspect of it just because it's not, you know, helping patients necessarily, but um, hopefully, you know, we'll keep everything secure and save the system and um, the hospital from any kind of attack going forward. Exactly. Um, perfect. And Jason, from your perspective, what technologies are really making a splash at Harris Health System? It's interesting when you talk about digital health, it means something different to everybody. Because um, for us being a safety net clinic, we really have to invest in what we have already in our staff members. So making sure that they're well-trained on the evolution of the products that we do have. Um, you know, we use one of the large uh, EHR vendors to so making sure they're up to date on all the upgrades, making sure the providers actually know how to use uh, the new features that can help to streamline taking care of the patients as well. Another thing that's good is um, clinical um, ops and workflow and having real-time assessments of kind of what's going on in your facilities. I think those are the things that are, that are top of mind at this point in time. And also we work, work towards, of course, population health. We are corral upon who our population is because it's always in a state of flux uh, being uh, that we're an underserved uh, uh, care entity. So those are the main things that we are directed towards. Got it. Um, and, and it's just so interesting, like you said, to think about the digital technologies and what it takes to um, <laughs> bring up the different evolutions of them and um, get everybody on board to what's really um, the next thing coming in, in the next technologies. Um, when you look at, you know, especially with the providers, other physicians and nurses um, using the technologies, is there anything that um, has been surprising or, you know, where do you have to use most of your resources in order to um, help them optimize what you have in the technology? So uh, the main thing is that um, I think integrating the providers with the nurses, having them be one unit is the main thing. Prior to COVID, um, things were pretty set, you know who you were going to be with on, on a given day. Um, in COVID, that's going to change uh, as the day as the day goes. So having established uh, workflows so that the person that's working, uh, say, in dental, staffing dental as a nurse, she jumps into another uh, area, she can be able to somewhat uh, seamlessly integrate into that workflow as well. So again, investments in, in staff um, is kind of the, the main thing. 
And also you treat your staff well and you have their best interests at hand. They will treat you well as well. And we're a very mission-driven organization. Uh, so the mission of you know, helping patients that need the help uh, really permeates through, through our organization. Absolutely. That's fantastic to hear. I know having that strong culture and being mission-driven or purpose-driven really is helpful, um, especially during the Great Resignation for people to feel connected. So that's fantastic to hear. Now, my last question I wanted to ask all the panelists, um, where is the best opportunity for optimizing data analytics? We've talked a little bit about this, but I feel like that's really something that is coming to the forefront um, in, in the near future. So Laura, we'll start with you. When you're thinking about data analytics, where, where are the best opportunities to optimize that going forward? Um, so for us, a lot of it is integrating the information we have from multiple different sources because we have, have information because of the different systems we have. It's in multiple areas, so everyone has to try to pull from information, and then it makes you question the validity and the integrity of that. So making sure that we have a consolidated platform, consolidated dictionary, so we all speak the same language. And at the end of the day, when we start looking at some of our analytics for our customers, um, from a revenue cycle perspective, you know, green is good, we want to collect the money, but we also have to look at, it's not just about the money. At the end of the day, we are all there to provide care to patients. We're there to support the providers in providing the care to our patients. So when you do that, it's not just about collecting the money. It's also about resolving any questions or issues they may have. So balancing out the analytic information that we have. So we're, so we're looking at the financial metrics, but also those other engagement metrics as well. That's really interesting to hear. Um, and, and I love that idea of mixing the analytics and the hard data with the humanity part of it and just making sure everybody knows the messaging that goes around that for the patients. Um, Jason, how are you looking at data analytics? What do you see as being crucial going forward? So I'm a big data person. Uh, I love, love data. So I think, that, I think that what we're in now is many organizations are doing descriptive analytics where they'll, they'll have all of their uh, data and it kind of describes what the pictures of their patient populations. As we move forward, we're going to go more into 